Uh, tonight we are going to be going over worship. There we go. We're going to be going over worship. Uh, <coughs> Justin was going to be uh, leading us through, and it's going to be a uh, an interesting night for us because we're actually get to then uh, sing as well. So it should be fun, uh, much different than what we've had before. A couple of announcements, though, while we kind of are um, getting started. November 20th, if you remember, is a Thursday, two weeks from tonight, I believe, yes, two weeks from tonight. Uh, we are not meeting on that night. However, we are planning to do something that week. Uh, we're planning on just kind of tentatively throw it on your calendars of the 21st, that Friday. Uh, we're going to do a community event of some sorts. Still aren't quite sure of what that means or what it's going to look like. Uh, but if you can, have that Friday night, the 21st, kind of open on your calendars. Uh, there was one other thing. Oh, November 16th. Uh, so November, November 16th, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday afterwards, Justin will be preaching up at Northeast. Uh, and it is also the time that we're going to be doing an informational meeting. So this informational meeting, uh, some of you came to the very first one we had at Northeast. And what it really is is just an informational meeting for uh, anybody interested in Stone Oak Bible. Uh, Justin and I both get to kind of present a very short and condensed version of our core values, uh, where we're going to be meeting at, um, as much information as we can present on who we are and kind of what we're going to uh, be doing at that time. What this requires of you, though, is that we need your help. We need you to help serve. Uh, last time, we were fortunate enough to have people of Northeast kind of stepping in, kind of filling up the gaps for us of serving food, and uh, we have some forms we pass out, uh, just information kind of given. If we could have you, the people of Stone Oak Bible, present there, that would be huge for us uh, and a big help. So this is an informational meeting next Sunday, November 16th at Northeast. We're going to be in the Fellowship Center immediately after the service. Uh, there is food. There is child care provided as well. Okay? Anything else? All right. Let me pray and open us up tonight. That's an excellent. Uh, 12.30. 12.30. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for uh, sending your son to die upon the cross, Lord. As we dive into our core value of worship, Lord, I, I thank you for worship. I thank you that we can uh, respond to what you have done, Lord. Uh, pray for Justin tonight and for Samuel as well as they're uh, leading us in worship, worshiping uh, through both word and song, Lord. Uh, thank you for the people of Stone Oak Bible. I thank you for the community of Stone Oak as well, Lord. Uh, I pray that your gospel would go forth through these people, Lord. Pray this all in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Well, um, I want to start off by celebrating something. Uh, it was last, was it Saturday? I think it was Saturday evening. Uh, we got together at uh, Stone Oak Elementary, and we met in the parking lot, and it was our first night together as our prayer team. And we met, we prayed for our people, we prayed for each other, we prayed for our community, for the school, and um, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that was one of the most encouraging nights that I've had in a long, long time. Um, I left feeling like I could, like I was just going to take on the world that night, and it, it just was so encouraging to me, and so Casey and Judy, thank you. Um, for what you're doing here at Stone Oak, for leading, for organizing. But more than that, thank you for kind of transferring your passion for prayer to us 
and to me, um, making a huge impact. And if you're able, if, if it's possible for you to come to the next one, I really, really, really recommend it. Uh, it was an incredible night. So uh, there's that. I want to sh- shift gears, kind of let us know where we're going tonight. Uh, we're going to do three things. We're going to spend the first part of our time talking about uh, Romans 12.1. Uh, we're going to look at what the Bible says about worship. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to, after we look at that, we're going to see how worship kind of plays out at Stone Oak. Uh, as we, as a church, talk about worship, here's what we're talking about. And third, we get the privilege of actually worshiping together through music tonight. Uh, Samuel is going to lead us. If you haven't met Samuel, uh, you need to. Just, uh, just bombard him and let him know how, how grateful we are for his team. Meet his team um, excited for, for tonight. Let's uh, jump in. We're going to be in Romans uh, 12.1. <laughs> I appreciate that. He's looking out for me. Uh, Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, Let's walk through this a little bit. I'm going to say this every time we get to a passage that has this word in it. Um, Every time you see a passage, you open your Bibles and you're dealing with a a scripture that has the word therefore, it's corny, but when you see that, find out what the therefore is there for. Just hopefully that, that triggers in your mind. Whenever you see that, it should trigger right away. Find out what came before this. There's something ahead of this that, that, that is being built on. And for us, uh, it's right in front of the, the passage we're in. It's toward the end of Romans 11, especially uh, verses 30, 31 through 32. Uh, he's talking about the mercy of God, that we are disobedient. We don't deserve it, but God showed it. God overwhelmed us with his mercy. Um, we, we see in, in verse... Uh, uh, 32, that he has mercy on all, and 33 and beyond, it's it's basically Paul talking about how the mind of the Lord to give us this mercy is just beyond us to even even comprehend. So Paul here uses that as the foundation. He says, therefore, because of God's great mercy toward us, and he's going to make an an appeal and urge to us... um, and so here's, here's what the appeal is. He says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Some translation says, I um, exhort you, I plea with you, I urge you by the mercies of God. And again, by the mercies of God kind of ties us back to the end of Romans 11, which says it's by this, and this is going to be important later, that this is the foundation. The mercies of God is the foundation for what Paul is going to um, urge us urge us to do by the mercies of God. So here's Paul's appeal. He says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Uh, We are about 2,000 years removed from when this letter was written. So there's something that we need to unpack a little bit. This this language should bring us back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. And it's... what it is is people who the people of God would would bring animals uh, to sacrifice to God. It was out of obedience to the law. They would bring uh, animals as as their way, as their act of of worship. And and um, Paul here brings up that language. These animals they would bring. They would they would sacrifice them. 
Um, we can't even imagine this. Uh, it's costly for them. Uh, it's an agricultural uh, culture, and this would have been a costly sacrifice. Uh, it's bloody. I mean, we don't, I don't think we can wrap our minds around it. I, I can, personally, because I traveled to Ethiopia, and I'm going to just share a little bit of a n- terrible rabbit trail. Um, I was on a, on a ride in a van. Beside me was a poor little goat um, sitting literally in the seat, like, or right beside the seat behind me. Uh, we, we were driving to the orphanage, and we pulled up, and these kids run up to the car, and I get out, my little friend gets out, and they're really excited about him, but it's not because he was cute, it's because he was delicious, and we got out, and these kids wanted to take pictures, so they all got around me and this, this my friend, and they were hugging him and taking pictures with him, and after the pictures were taken, the, the goat was taken, um, if you know what I mean, in that moment, right there with like children, just all there. And um, that was the first time I kind of saw that. I'm not a hunter. So for hunters, you're like, yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. For me, I was like, did we just do that in front of children? Um, The reason I bring that up, rabbit trail, um, the reason I bring that up is because that goat was costly for them. They haven't had a goat like that in for as long as they can remember, and, and we brought the goat, and it was a costly thing. And imagine them offering something that is that of worth to God, and that's kind of what Paul is, is looking back on. We know, standing this far out, that, that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that he fulfilled it perfectly, that he was the sacrifice, the blameless sacrifice for us. We know that standing here, that he completed and, and fulfilled the Old Testament, uh, and they did too, but here's the, here's the difference, is that Old Testament system would have been fresh in their minds. So when Paul says, uses the language, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, they're thinking of my friend the goat, okay? They're thinking of the sacrificial system. This is fresh on, on their, their mind. And um, he uses this language that says, present your own bodies, present yourself. I've heard it said like this, I really like it. It's not only what we can give that God demands, but God demands the giver. It's not only what we can give that God demands, God demands the giver. He presents, he urges us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Here's a Tim Keller it continues with what he says. He says, the strange thing about living sacrifices is that they continually try to crawl off the altar. Um, can you attest to that? Um, and that's exactly the point, that it's an ongoing, it's, it's, a, it's a process, it's a daily commitment. Uh, I want to push the pause button, time out, and we're going to jump back. Uh, but how does this happen? This sounds very Christianese to say we present our bodies as living sacrifices. What does that mean? What does it look like to do that? What does it look like for us to present our bodies as living sacrifices? Uh, I think for us, we can look at our passage here. And for literally three chapters, Paul goes on to talk about how we love God and love others. Uh, we, we see that in uh, the first part of verse, or chapter 12, how the body functions together. We see the end of chapter 12, how we are to act like true Christians in the context of community. We see in, uh, verse, or in chapter 13, how we're to live in our community, how we're to love one another, not live in judgment of one another. 
how we're to serve and love one another in the church. And so we see God and others. So Paul says, present your bodies, and then he, he goes on to talk about how we love God and love others. It's like what Jesus said when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. And, I, and I'll sum it up like this. The opposite of worship is selfishness. Because sacrifice is not selfish. When it says, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, that should fight directly against everything that's within you that's selfish. Because a sacrifice is not selfish. Nothing in you should want to do that apart from Christ. Nothing in you should want to do that. Uh, No goat, no ram, no bull, no bird, no dove has ever gone to be sacrificed and said, yes, I cannot wait for this. Cannot wait for this moment. And isn't it interesting that Paul uses that language to describe what our worship is to be like? Instead of that goat, it, it's me, and it's a living sacrifice, and it's, it, it's a heavier language. A call to worship is a call to kill our selfishness. Um, worship's not about you. It's not for you. It's not what you can get out of it. It's not what it does for you. And too often, I think we approach worship as this thing that's meant to benefit us as a thing that's meant to just pour into us. And don't hear me wrong, God can and does pour into us during worship. As we worship, God pours into us. He can, He does. Praise God for those moments. But our worship is something that we do both in the good times and the desert times. I think of Job when, when he lost everything, when he lost his, his wealth, his, his family, his health, and He's, he's there and he says, blessed be God. Blessed be the Lord. He gives and he takes away that. How could Job do that? How could Job worship like that in that moment? It's because worship wasn't about Job. Worship wasn't about Job and worship's not about us. And our motivation, our driving motivation for our worship is not to be poured into, but for us to be poured out. When we get poured into, praise God for those moments, but our motivation is not that when we worship, because worship is sacrificial. Uh, And Paul says that when we worship God like this, that it is holy and acceptable to God. Uh, It's holy and acceptable to God. I I think about, as a parent, I don't know if you've had this moment, uh, we, uh, my three-year-old, we noticed several months ago that he loves to color. He loves it. He'll go into like, I mean really loves it. He'll go into like a coloring trance for an hour, like just locked, and and he never focuses on anything for that long, but he loves it. And we started to notice too that he's starting to get kind of good at it. He's starting to stay in the lines. He's understanding what like appropriate colors are for things. And a long time ago, one of the first pictures that he actually focused on, spent time on, is he, he drew a ninja, or he colored a ninja turtle, Michelangelo, and he gave it to me. I have it in my I was actually really upset because I cleaned my office and can't find it. It was on my board and now it's gone, so I'm upset about that. But um, here's, the, here's the thing. is I'm never going to make big money selling that on eBay. I'm never going to you know, find someone on Craigslist to want to buy that picture. Uh, it's never going to hang up in any art museum in our city, I don't think. Um, but it's so valuable to me 
because it's his. Because it's his. And I think when we worship, we, think, we like to think uh, that we have to kind of wait to present our bodies as a living sacrifice until we're a masterpiece enough. When the gospel is so clear that you don't approach him as a masterpiece, but through the gospel, through the cross, through the work of Christ, you become a masterpiece because you are his. Just like that picture, that because we are his, we are his masterpiece, we are his children. Um, and through Christ's work, we are, ex- are wholly acceptable to God, and it says that this is our spiritual worship. Uh, that word spiritual, it, I want you to think of not surface level. Not going through the motions, the outward motions, but, but inner. It's, it's spiritual worship. It's something that's deeper than the surface. It's true. It's authentic worship. And he says, you want to worship authentically, it comes through presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, this has three implications that I want to kind of wrestle with tonight. Uh, one, see if I got, yes. Uh, one is this. Worship is personal. Notice that Paul doesn't say, I appeal to you, brothers, by the, by the mercy of God, to present your neighbor's body as a living sacrifice. Although we would love sometimes for it to have said that, it doesn't. It says, present your body as a living sacrifice. It's deeply personal, not private, deeply personal, though. Uh, it's, it's a personal commitment. It's that you are made in the image of God, that Jesus died for you, that God showed you grace and that God sent his spirit to work in you so that you can live for him. It is a personal commitment. Worship is personal, but it's not just that because worship is also collective. Uh, When we come together as God's people to worship our God, that is an act of worship. Uh, When we come together in, in places like this, that is an act of worship. Uh, it's almost like you see it in our, in our verse. He said, I urge you, therefore, brothers, plural, brothers. It's like he's standing in front of a church and he says, uh, church, present your bodies. It's a corporate collective thing. It, there is no coincidence, I don't think, that starting it with our verse for the next three chapters, he unpacks what it looks like to live together in community because worship is collective. Uh, last, though, is worship is continual. A commentator says it like this, and I love it. Uh, What happens when we gather is certainly worship, but such times of corporate worship are only one aspect of the continual worship that each of us is to offer the Lord in the sacrifices of our bodies day by day. Uh, In other words, worship isn't a one-time decision. It's an ongoing, continual, daily uh, process. So worship is personal, collective and continue. I want to take a side note here uh, to say something that should be obvious, that you will fail at this often, that you're not going to get this right. When I say it's an ongoing daily thing, there's going to be so many days at the end of the day where you're going to say, I messed that up. And so back again to what we first talked about. What was the foundation? By the mercies of God. The point is not that you're going to get this right every time. The point is that God's mercy is there, and that's the reason why we continue to make the the daily decision to present our bodies. It's because of his mercies. When you fail, his mercies, as the Bible says, are new every morning. Every morning that they're new. Uh, Remember, 
what we said earlier is that it's not you coming to the table as a masterpiece. It's that you come to the table and the work of Jesus makes you a masterpiece because you're his. It's not, and it hasn't ever been about what we do, what I do, but it's been about the mercy, the grace of God. And another thing is worship is not easy. Uh, I grew up in, in, a, in a tradition, uh, in a denomination that, that focused a lot on worship, a lot on worship. And I looked around and everyone just seemed to be, man, all in, in a drop of a hat. And I always thought that there's something wrong with me. Why is it that I walk in and everyone around me is just loving Jesus? had a horrible day, but when they walk in, they're just loving Jesus instantly. And I'm wondering, what is wrong with me? I know I love Jesus, but I don't feel it right now. And everyone else around me does. And what I've realized is worship is not supposed to be easy. That, that, that presenting your, your body as a living sacrifice is never supposed to be easy. So if you're here and you say worship is kind of hard, I think you're absolutely correct. But it's by the mercy of God that we get to do this. That we get to do And I'm not just talking about singing together. I'm talking about daily living our life for him to be an act of worship. That's not easy. Don't let anyone tell you that worship is all fluffy, feel-good it wasn't for Job, it wasn't for so many of the people in the Bible that we read about who are worshiping God in the midst of difficult situations. And they're not blind to it. I mean, you look at David who's going through so much and you read some of his Psalms and you're like, can you say that to God? Is that legal? Like, should you be allowed to say that? Because worship is not always easy. It, it's, it's vulnerable. It's, it's spiritual. And, and I think when we come to that place that we have a better understanding of what worship is. So worship is personal, it's collective, it's continual. And having said that, what I want to do is shift gears and talk about what worship is for us as a church. Uh, for us as a church. And first, I want to start here. Uh, worship is to engage God's Word. This sounds really simplistic, it, to teach it, to, to read it, to study it, to... Um, memorize it, that, that worship is when we sit under God's word. And this sounds so elementary, but it's so true. I've heard it said that we need to read God's word and allow God's word to then read us. And that as we do that, that that is an act of worship. So here at Stone Oak, we, we value God's word because through it, we worship our Lord. Through, uh, and we're going to get more into this, through engaging God's word, um, we worship him in a way that's holy and acceptable. And, and engaging God's word requires sacrifice. It's not always easy to give that time, that energy to doing this. It's a sacrifice. I mean, I can say that as a, as a pastor, it is not always easy to wake up and to do this. It's just not. And, but doing this is an act of our worship to him. Uh, doing this right now is an act of our, our worship to him. Uh, second, we worship uh, by singing God's word. Music is universal. It has this weird way of connecting the mind, will, and emotions. It has this weird way of bringing head and heart together. 
And this is universal. Uh, everyone feels this. We feel music. It does something. It's one of the most effective ways to communicating truth. Uh, worship leaders, I've heard uh, them say this a lot, and I actually think there's truth to this, although it makes me mad. Uh, the songs that we sing are often the only sermons that we remember. I think there's a lot of truth to that sometimes, that we leave and we're singing these songs and we remember what God did as we were singing those songs together. And there's, there's some truth to that. And so what we want to do as Stone Oak Bible is when we come together to sing God's word, and this is oft, often sacrificial as well because I don't feel like doing this often. I just don't. Some of us are here and we are not the greatest singers. We're just going to be honest. And so singing God's word is, is really not our favorite. But we have mics and speakers that we can drown out stuff. It's going to be awesome. No, I'm joking. Um, some of this is hard. Honestly, I feel it as a, and I don't want to say guys feel this more than girls because I think it's kind of true in both cases, but I know so many people that this is really difficult. Uh, I know, and I'm just going to be vulnerable for a moment, um, in a worship setting like this, you don't know what my tendency is, especially the first time. Like, this is the first time we've been led. It's the first time to actually have music in this room. I'm looking around at every detail. Like, is that TV going to work? Are these tea lights going to stay lit for the whole time? I'm looking around at the lamps. I'm looking at making sure Samuel knows his words. I'm thinking through this stuff. I'm thinking, how are we going to flip that? Like, I, my mind is going a hundred directions, and it takes me so long to just stop and engage to just stop and engage. It's a sacrifice to do this. Um, but it is an act of worship that's holy and acceptable to God when we sacrifice and when we stop and sing God's word uh, together. Uh, third, and this one should be obvious, do God's word. Do God's word. We collectively, individually put God's word into action. I think of Micah 6.8. It's, it's probably my favorite verse in all the Bible, if that's allowed if you can have a favorite verse of the Bible. Uh, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The strange thing about that is that he meant it, and he's now given us the charge to live it. And this is just one of many examples that we look at God's word and what it's calling us to do, and the moment that we decide to sacrificially listen and obey, that moment He's presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that moment is a, wor- is a moment of worship that is holy and acceptable to God. Um, doing God's word, I, I just want to throw this out, will require sacrifice. It's going to require you to sacrifice some of your time, your energies, your resources, your money. Um, I just want, don't tell me I never told you, because it does. When you read God's word... Let me just be transparent again. I didn't expect to say this, but Matthias is here because of this, where Candace and I were confronted with something and could not get around it. And if I can be honest, that, that was costly. And Candace and I can, you can ask us, it was, it was costly to do what we did. It, it turned our world upside down. 
Sometimes doing what God's word says is, is it's, it's sacrificial and it takes a lot out of us and it takes a lot out of us as we live it out. But here's the thing that we need to remember is all of that time and money and resources and gifts and talents that we have were given to us for this purpose. They're not ours anyway. They're given to us to steward. So who am I to say, no, God, I really like that and I'm not going to obey what you've called me to do because I like this too much. And that's a hard place to be. So just know going into it that, that when we step into this and when we listen to him, it's going to require a sacrifice. But in that is worship. It's presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Um, like I said earlier, uh, engaging God's word, singing God's word, doing God's word. Like I said earlier, I want to give us a moment for the first time to actually sing God's word together tonight. Um, Sam, if you guys want to go ahead and come up and get ready. And guys, if you could uh, stand with me. And as they're coming up, I want, to, I want to pray for us. And I'll pray a selfish prayer. Uh, like I said, these moments are difficult for me. And uh, what I want to pray for us for together is that in these moments that we're able to engage, that we're able to stop, um, that we're able to engage. I know while they're setting up, I, it's another rabbit trail, but it's worth it. Um, I made a mistake of, Candace and I are very old. And I say that not because of our age, because of who we are. We eat dinner at like five, like 5.15s and Valentine laughs at me all the time about this. We're in bed at like nine. We just feel very old. And that's who we are. So I say this for a reason. When we come to Roots, I realize something. We always eat before Roots. Always. Because it's just dinners before. Who would wait till after? I found out that people actually are waiting to eat. So in this moment, and this was a rabbit trail, but it was for a reason. In this moment, maybe your stomach's growling. Maybe you have stuff that you've got to get to after this. Um, maybe life has been crazy today. Uh, my prayer for us in this moment is that we can engage, that we can push the pause button a little bit, that we can engage. And I want to pray for us in that. Would you pray with me? I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Thank you for organizing my life in a way that, that you force me to rely on you so often. And thank you for your word. In this moment, in these moments, I pray that you give us the ability to push the pause button in our life and to unplug for a moment so that we can engage with you, so that we can engage in this moment where we get the chance to together to worship our God. So we thank you for this. We pray that you are honored in these moments as your people come together and sing your praises to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.